publisher podcast episode 40. So this is an interesting interview for anyone who is trying to market a book on a sensitive topic. So sensitive topics might be those around trauma, uh, sexual assault, sexual trauma, um, any type of situation where someone has been victimized, racism, anything basically that is not your standard just throw it out there and talk about it however you want to. Um, marketing a book on a sensitive topic requires sensitive marketing. So I interviewed Rachel Thompson of Bad Redhead Media, who has published several books around sexual assault, sexual trauma, and um, we really dug into how authors can market their book in a way that isn't re-traumatizing, that isn't triggering, or that's done in a way that is not offensive or, or harmful to the intended audience. So I'm sure you're going to learn a lot in this episode, and I thank Rachel so much for her valuable input. This was pre-recorded as a presentation in the Women in Publishing Summit a couple of years ago, but again, the information is relevant and good and should still be very useful. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book, hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Cause I've been where you've been And I felt what you're feeling And I don't wanna get in your way And today we're gonna dig into a an important topic. We're talking about marketing, which is obviously important for any author, but sometimes um, when you're writing a book that touches on a really sensitive subject or um, you may be worried about how people perceive or respond to the book, uh, there may be some different things that you need to do with marketing that particular book. So we are talking with Rachel Thompson, who is and marketing expert, by the way, this is what she does professionally. She is a book marketer. She runs um, Bad Redhead Media, she, but she's also an author of a very, very sensitive topic book. She's the author of the award-winning, best-selling Broken Places, one of Indie Reader's best of 2015 top books, and the 2015 honorable mention winner in both Los Angeles and the San Francisco Book Festivals, and the best-selling multi-award-winning Broken Pieces, as well as two additional humor books. She owns Bad Redhead Media and um, runs uh, social media and book marketing campaigns for authors. Her articles appear regularly in the Huffington Post, Feminine Collective, Indie Reader Medium, On Mogul, Transformation is Real, Blue Ink Review, Book Machine, and several other publications, which you'll want to check out because those are great places for you to try and get your um, books and writing and all of that stuff as well. She's also a huge advocate for victims of sexual assault. And um, that is the topic behind Broken Places and Broken Pieces. So thank you so much for being with us today again. Thanks for having me. Really happy to be here. Thank you. Well, last time we talked, you dove right into like general marketing tips and, and things that would be great for anybody. But this time, really, especially with the theme of our conference this year, using our, our words to change the world. I mean, talk about a topic that has been one highly, highly in the news with all the Me Too stuff. Um, I'm, I'm sure 
uh, that has benefited you in a, uh, not you, but benefited the ability to market the book because it's again in the news. I don't know if you've been able to to capture that, but I, I'm I'm gonna let you talk. You're the expert here. What's it been like to market a book on a subject that's very, very, very t sensitive? Well, I'm one of many, many voices out there. Of course, um, I I published Broken Pieces back in two thirds. 2013 um, and then I broken places came out in 2015 yeah 2015 and I'm working on I've been working on broken people now my business kind of blew up so it's it sort of had to go on blew up in a good way um, so it sort of had to go on the back burner but that's the third part of the trilogy so you know it's been very gratifying to hear people be much more open about their stories people who have never talked about their stories mm -hmm. of being abused whether it's as children or in the workplace or you know in, in i think there are so many uh people who have struggled in their work life mm -hmm. in terms of sexual harassment who are coming out with their me too stories and so i think it's been gratifying to see the the, the power exchanges and how that needs to be talked about and changed, and especially not just Hollywood. I mean, this has happened in my own work life, and I think many people have experienced that as well. Men, women, LGBTQ, it happens across the board. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. I mean, it just is so prevalent. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, it's been gratifying to see people feel um, uh, emboldened to talk about it. So I don't feel like that's something that I was able to, in, you know, capitalize on. I just feel like that it's, it's great that we all are encouraged by one another's stories and able to, you know, collectively have more of a voice together. Right. And, and, I think the, the, the main reason I wrote my book really was so that if anybody else felt like, what they experienced, because as a child, what happened to me, I had no idea growing up that when I felt things like panic attacks or, um, you know, terror, terrifying feelings or flashbacks that those all th all those had a name I, I really had no idea. And so what I wanted people to understand is that um, they weren't alone in feeling those things. And right. so that really was the reason I wrote my book. And it's I think that a lot of people feel so alone in what they're going through, and that was the main reason I wrote my book. So to be able to add to that collective voice is just really helpful for everybody. Absolutely, and I don't want to do want to clarify that I didn't mean like. Oh no! <laughs> no, no, like, no. <laughs> I, knew, I knew what you meant. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. <laughs> but yeah. but but it is interesting though how when things come up in the news. It does. I mean, as a marketing tactic, it does really, really help to be able to yeah. utilize those things um, to get your book in front of a larger audience as well. So, and with yeah. books like this, the more people who read it, obviously, the more people we can, you can help, and we can help. Um, what do you think has been the most challenging part for you? Now, it was your first book. Now, did you did you write your humor books first, or um, I did. Okay. I did. I wrote um, a walk in the snark and man the man code exposed in two thousand 
11 and 12. And I, they're not even available for sale anymore. I mean, there's the reason they're still on Amazon is because there's paperback print copies available that I uh, published through Booktrope. And then they closed. And so those books, for me, I'm, I have not made them available as a self-published author mm -hmm. or um, – Right after Book Trope, it was a hybrid publisher close. Um, I was picked up by an agent and a small traditional publisher, and uh, we made the choice not to publish those books. Mm -hmm. um, so they're still out there. And I may at some point, um, I'm looking at some of the essays, I may pull them and, you know, rework them in some ways. But, you know, that was like, gosh, I wrote those over 10 years ago. <laughs> The, the essays in, in, in the books and so much has changed. I'm, I'm divorced now and, and, you know, humor. I'm still very um, uh, snarky in some ways or sarcastic about some things. And I think that the books were written in a satirical manner to make fun in a light poking way at, at some of the silly stuff that couples do. But, you know, so much has changed. I'm divorced and it, yeah you know, I talk a lot about at the time, the man I was married to. And so it just didn't really apply anymore. <laughs> yeah. So the book did not lead to the divorce then. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was a really good sport about a lot of what was in those books, um, at least at the time. Um, but, you know, and it was just, my kids were very, very small and now they're 19 and 13. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of that stuff just doesn't really apply. But sure. I decided really to rebrand because I felt a lot of what I was talking about in those books was almost maybe a cover up for the pain I was feeling yeah. as a survivor. And I wasn't ready to talk about that yet. And so I felt like if I'm, I wasn't ever making fun of survivors in any way ever because I was sure. so sensitive to that sure. um, because I grew up in a family that um, swept it all under the rug. You know, if we didn't talk about it, it didn't happen. And so I was super um, and still am very uh, as an advocate and activist, really very conscious of never minimizing or dismissing someone's pain. Right. And so I, I didn't ever want to come across that way. And I don't feel that I ever did with the humor books because I never even addressed anything having to do with sexual abuse or any kind of situations like that. But I just wanted to make sure that um, by pulling those books off, there would be no way that anybody could ever look at them and say, but you said this in this book and now you're talking about this in that book. And so I just thought, you know, this is not my focus. My yeah. focus is now on um, being a survivor and talking about my story and, and really just focusing on how to connect with other survivors. And that's where the marketing aspect comes into it. And so that's really where I pulled those off and then changed my blog. Even my, the domain went from, um, I think it was something t totally different that had nothing to do with the na my name. Even when I started out, I, I really just started a blog to share pics of my kids with my mom, yep. you know, I mean, yep. that was, was me too. <laughs> 2007, you know, 12, so yep. 12 years later, I know a little bit more, but I did have a marketing and sales background. And so once I realized, wow, people are reading my stuff, I, I kind of need to get on the ball here and, you know, Facebook, ugh, I don't want to talk to my high school friends. I didn't like them. Then. <laughs> I don't want to talk to them now. But then I realized I could use it for marketing purposes. So, right. yeah. yeah, that really changed.
So what would you say that some of that, because you, you take on all kinds of clients, marketing, all kinds of books, fiction, nonfiction, all kinds of stuff. So what would you say are some of the different approaches that you take when it comes to marketing a book like Broken Places, Broken Pieces, as opposed to just general, not sensitive books? <laughs> well, basic, the basic premise for any um, author and their books is that we for the most part, 99% of the time we market the author, not the book. So we, what you really want to look at is what are you, the author, passionate about? And most likely you're pretty much talking, whether it's online in uh, tweets or Facebook or Instagram or in your blog, you're pretty much drawn naturally to what you're passionate about right. already. And so I think a lot of times, people, you know, authors, especially new new writers, will say, "Well, I don't want to market. I don't have time to market. I don't have time to blog. I just want to write." And so that's great. But if you want to, you and I laugh about this a lot. <laughs> if you want to sell books and you want people to read your books, then you have to be, you have to have a presence and you have to connect with readers in some way. And so you may as well do it authentically instead of, you know, making, you know, make a list of, of, you know, all the things I have a planner. I still write things down, <laughs> um, make a list of all these personas and avatars and all these things that aren't going to feel natural to you. Talk about what you're passionate about and that's what's going to come across naturally. So if your book is about, we, we tend to write about what we're most interested in regardless of whether it's fiction or nonfiction. Right. That's so that, true. <laughs> that's, an, that's another thing I hear from people a lot. And well, that works for nonfiction, but what about fiction? Most people write about something they are passionately interested in. Oh yeah. Whether you, you know whether it's like third century I don't know Chinese fighting weapons or something. You know, yeah. at some point they've they've you know done a deep dive into that research and can be the expert at parties. Right. And so, you know, and if they've written a book about it, they clearly have some interest in that or they would not have spent the last 3 years researching it. So that's what's really going to be your purpose and your drive and your passion. And so it's easy then to talk about all that kind of stuff. And that naturally will um, make it much easier for you to brand yourself, which is what we refer to as author branding. And then you're able to talk about your book pull a couple quotes from your book, talk about why you ended up writing this. Although I do caution people, don't write a whole entire, um, you know, two tome about writing about writing, you know, because snore. So, you know, that, but for me, I mean, to go back to um, marketing a book about, a difficult topic, um, which is what you asked me. I don't want to make this all about me. Um, so many people are very, very nervous about sharing their story. So you have to get over that hump. And the thing that I tell people that helped me the most was a quote from Lori Moore, that, who is an author, a very famous author and, and teacher. And she said, write something you'd never show your mother or father. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> And then most people, most of her students would say, I could never do that. And she said, well, then, you know, you can't 
write, we are adults and we need to write like adults. And that's what I always say to people that I'm, I'm coaching on these types of things. And so, you know, nobody's going to see it, just write it and write that, you know, bad first draft, not going to curse and, you know, write 20 horrible first drafts. And at some point you're going to find those jewels. And then at that point, then you can start connecting with people with, you know, whatever issue it is or trauma that you've experienced, connect those what we call keywords. So look up sexual abuse or trauma or accidents or whatever it is that you've experienced. There's those common bonds Mm -hmm. and that's authentically you to go back Mm -hmm. to what you were saying. I think it's also really important to identify your message early on and really stick like, and what I mean by this is that I have a, a, an author who's written a book and it's a beautiful book. It's actually a trilogy and um, they're, they're essentially about um, birth trauma, but she's got some stories in there about um, the loss of a pregnancy and the loss of um, and a rape and some things like this. And and when she was trying to market herself and market her book, she was very confused as to which audience she was actually talking to. So I think it's really important. You can have a very powerful memoir. Um, what's the one with Cheryl Strayed? Wild. Yes. She she had all kinds of things that had happened to her, but the yeah. message was very, very on point. Those other things were just kind of like sub stories that were on part of her, her journey. So I think that's, you know, to be able to do those other things like marketing, that's what I've found is that if you don't have a, a specific message, if you're trying to reach too many people, mm-hmm. then it can be really difficult to, to be authentic in anything you do, because who are you trying to talk to? Yeah, and I think it's really important along those lines is, you know, what I typically say to somebody who's very, very new to branding or marketing or having that kind of message, you know, a lot of people think I have to have a tagline. You know, it's helpful, Mm -hmm. but I also think if the tagline's more, I think, for the book, whereas an author, I think if you can identify those keywords or key phrases that help define who you are, Mm -hmm. then you're setting expectations for what readers or followers can expect when they come on over to your Twitter stream or your Facebook page or, you know, that kind of thing. And that really helps you. I always say that your keywords, your key phrases are the foundation of everything that you're going to be doing as an author, because that's going to help you decide what your blog schedule Uh, topics are going to be about, what articles you're going to share, you know, that you're, because not everything can be about me, me, me all the time. So if, because that's just like a constant, you know, Rachel advertisement. Right. Right. So let's share something about the topics that our common bonds between us that we'll both find interesting. Yeah. And think about, you know, a lot of people feel like um, if they can think about one specific reader, then it's easier for them. Yeah. And so they, they, it's interesting how I think a lot of times people are like, well, I don't know what to say on Twitter. I, I just, I don't know what to say. And, and it, but they can talk to their neighbor or they can talk to, you know, their, you know, whatever their, their friends. So, you know, I always say to them, think about yourself. If you're looking for a book on sexual trauma and you're going to type that into Google, 
what are you looking for? And that's what you want. You want to be the, the name that comes up. So be consistent in talking about that, that topic, whether it's your stuff or someone else's that you admire. Be generous. Share great information. And that way it's not about you 24-7. Yeah. And that also helps, I think, to build um, connections. I mean, obviously, you know, you're probably not going to, the most famous person who's talking on it may not ever respond, but other people who are more within, you know, and who knows, they might, but what a great opportunity to build connections where they might want to, you know, co-market with you or do a project together or feature you on their blog or you know, things like that. And we take a step back just a little bit for the people who are truly newbies and sure. kind of um, let them know like what keyword, what keywords are and what kind of sure. some of that market research is. Yeah. Well, when I first start with somebody and they have no concept of what a keyword is, I basically, um, I just did a, a, I do a weekly chat that I started. This was part of my marketing actually called sex abuse chat. I personally love Twitter. Um, I think that it's a wonderful way to connect with other survivors. Um, some people hate it, and that's fine. You have to, each social media channel um, kind of uh, lights up different areas of our brain, and they create that very specifically to do that. So, um, keywords are, I always say, like hashtags. If you're Kind of surprising some people are still unfamiliar with hashtags, <laughs> but it's a number sign and then a word. And so if you use Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, you'll see hashtags everywhere. So think of that number sign and then a word. And then I say, um, in the chat last night, we talked about finding your purpose because that can be very difficult for sexual abuse survivors yeah. who have had such a hard time just surviving and just going from job to job or home to home or, you know, the per percentage rate of addiction is very high. If you look at addicts, almost 90% of addicts have been sexually abused. Mm -hmm. It's very sad. So the point is, um, when you look at finding your purpose, it's almost the exact, um, I'll send you the chat, but the point is that 90, uh, almost, I'm sorry, there were like a 11 or 12 questions that you could ask and they almost all relate to um, finding your branding which I thought was really interesting that so is. I shared it over on bad redhead media as well and the same thing is um, relates to keywords so keywords and branding work together mm -hmm. and really what I said before if you go back to earlier when we first started talking is if you ask yourself these questions what are you passionate about what are you naturally drawn to so I'll give you an example my branding for Rachel in the OC which is the um, if you look at look me up on um, Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or go to Rachel in the it's all consistently going to be the same keywords or message that you're going to get without even realizing it right. because I was naturally drawn to these topics anyway are writing and talking about love loss sexual abuse relationships and um, you know anything along those lines poetry memoir and so I share topics uh, articles on those topics I write about those topics in my blog um, if you look up those keywords in um, 
like I'll look up those keywords to find articles having to do with those topics because I don't want it to just be about my memoirs, my poetry. I want to share other people. I'll look up a lot, I share a lot about sexual abuse. I shared an article yesterday, yesterday last night from Salud America and, and I tagged people and they shared it and it was an actual scan of a child's brain that's normal and a child's brain that's been sexually abused. Oh my and the gosh. difference, the radical difference and how it can cause permanent brain damage and how the how different ways that can manifest yeah. in an adult. And and I love the way they opened it when someone tells you to get over it. Yeah. Show them this article. And it was hormone changes and um, immune system ch changes. And people, this is my mission, is to help non-survivors and survivors who don't understand what's happening to them, help them understand why they might have chronic pain. Right. Or why they, you know, um, are constantly on edge. PTSD yeah. is so common in survivors. So these are the types of things that I share. So those are the basics kind of exercises that I have somebody go through. And I say, you know, start with five. You know, I had one lady who gave me a list of a hundred and I said, <laughs> this isn't everything that you're interested in the world because then your whole, then there's no focus. We need you to be focused so that people, you're managing expectations of your readers and followers. Now, it's okay to have fun, too. Like, my backup keywords are my cats, my little one sitting here. He has a cold. He has a cold, and he's sneezing. It's so cute. <laughs> I've never had a cat with a cold. I don't know that I've ever seen that either. <laughs> he's just sneezing constantly. I have a message into my vet, and he's like, it's okay. He'll be fine. <laughs> Thing. So I talk about my cats. Um, I talk about Nutella. People send me pictures from all over the world of Nutella. Now, I, I don't even really eat that stuff, but I, you know, once in a while I'll have a little spoonful. It's so good. Oh my God. I don't even keep it in the house, but people send me like drums, like, I don't know if you can see like big drums from Italy, right? They think of me, which is so wonderful. Um, whenever they see Nutella. I mean, I, I have like hundreds of pictures yeah. of people. So you can still have fun with it. It doesn't have to be all serious. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. I, I think that um, there's so much with, uh, with any writing really, but, but with, um, with topics like this where you really bond, I think with people that are talking about something so, you know, moving and touching and um, that, that you do create that kind of, personal like relationship even though you don't know these people you know your oh, followers yeah. like they they feel like they know you and it's that very very close personal tie and from a marketing perspective i mean i think it's wonderful because then you know you have these people who they're going to buy all your books when they come out because they know that you're going to touch them in a specific way that might not be a good phrase <laughs> to go along with this topic. Yeah, I, know, I know what you meant. It's really fascinating, though, because I've had, I mean, some really famous people connect with me 
either right. through Twitter. I, Twitter's the great equalizer. I've had conversations oh. with some incredibly famous people, and some of them will DM me and tell me about their abuse. Oh, my and, goodness. Uh, yeah, people, I never share names. No, but. of course not. <laughs> you would lose any contact that you have with the, but no, it's true. I mean, especially... I write about child loss and grieving parents and people and in topics like this that are very, very sensitive, that are very, very painful, that you often feel alone and separated from everyone else. What people are looking for more than anything else is community and people who understand. Absolutely. And they just want to be heard. Mm -hmm. There's so many people, especially on Twitter, who will say, could you follow me so I can DM you? And they just want to tell me their story. Yeah, because they don't want to talk about it publicly, which I completely understand. There's so much shame around this topic, which yeah. I hate I because, you know, the victims have done absolutely nothing wrong. Right. But they just need to talk about it. So that's the other thing is, you know, be prepared when you talk about this, that you potentially can become a magnet for both positive and negative. I get a lot of hate. I get a lot of hate. Yeah, I'm I get sure. a lot of hate. I'm sure. I have not necessarily received any hate backlash, which is good because, I mean, who would come after a grieving parent? But I would hope not. They're crazy people. But I do, for a little while, I did have to take a step back because, to your point, I became known as the person who had lost a child. So anytime anybody knew anybody who had lost a baby or a pregnancy or 30-year-old child, whatever it was, like they would send me messages, which on the one part, I felt honored that yeah. I was that person. But on the other part, I was like, I can't handle all of this. I got to, you know, so be prepared for that. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a lot. I do get a lot of people um, telling me stories. There's no trigger warning. There's just, you know, they dump. And sometimes it's, especially on my blog. And yeah, sometimes I just have to hand it over to my guy and say, you need to read the rest of this because mm -hmm. I just can't, you know. We could probably do an entire different, and uh, maybe this is what we do next year, is self-care for, um, for people who become experts in certain areas and fields and things. But um, well, one thing that we were talking about before we started recording was your awards. You're up for, I think you just found out you won another one and you're on the short list for another. If you want to tell us about those and then how you can really use awards programs to help you market the books as well. Sure, sure. I think it's important for any writer to um, look around for awards contests that are appropriate for your book and make sure that they are the real thing. You know, there's some awards, it's like $5 to enter, and they aren't considered, you know, valid, respected <laughs> awards, right? Um, this is one that I received, um, I, I won the Reader's Favorite Award first place for narrative nonfiction, and that is considered a, you know, a valid award. Mm -hmm. You know, some, the, the ones that are, um, you know, like $50 to enter, I think are worth entering your book, and they have a valid panel that reviews your work. It's not like, you know, Joe's mom down the street or something, you know. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so that was really gratifying and for Broken Places. And then I, I won a bit, fairly big award. I won first in category for narrative nonfiction from Chanticleer Book Reviews. And so I was really excited about that. And I got my little first place um, badge. It's hanging on my door. <laughs> and um, I was just picked um, on their site as a top staff pick as well. That just came out, which is really nice. Awesome. Um, and then I just found out that my 30-day book marketing challenge, which we haven't really talked from the business side of it, I have two of my personal memoir poetry books out, and I have two business books out under my Bad Redhead Media publications. Um, my 30-day book marketing challenge was just shortlisted for their instructional book uh, winners. Great. So you have hundreds of books enter, and I think about 12 are shortlisted. That's awesome. So, yeah, so they'll announce the winners in April. So, you know, a shout out to anybody. I don't know when this will be seen, um, but... March. Uh, okay, so usually by um, April is the deadline to submit for most books mm -hmm. for, um, for last year. Mm -hmm. So just, um, and I'm going to put together a list. I think people have put together lists already of where to submit your books for, you know, like decent places. Yeah. Some, some awards, Chanticleer's a little pricey. They're about $400, but it includes a review. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, it's kind of a good deal. Um, yeah. That's about the most I've ever paid for a, a review. Um, some are, you know, thousands of dollars. Yeah. I, I can't you know, afford that. Indies can't do that. <laughs> well, some indies can. No. <laughs> Most yeah. of us can't. <laughs> yeah. If it was right now, I wouldn't do it because I have too many other things. You know, taxes are coming up. So Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, I like book awards as a marketing tool. Um, my book, Ditch the Fear and Just Write It, won for um, a writing book for the Book Excellence Awards program. Oh, that's wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. I was pretty excited because I'm yeah. like, everybody's writing a book about writing these days. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure there's yeah. lots of submissions. But one of the things that I was really impressed with when people say like, why would you spend a hundred, two hundred dollars or whatever it is to enter a book awards program? But they've done, I mean, they've done some great marketing on my behalf. They put together right. beautiful, like promotional booklet for me. They gave me thousands of dollars worth of like, um, training and tools and all these things like That's a great. zip folder of things of how to build yourself as an author. So sometimes you have to kind of take yourself out of the out of the, just saying I can't believe I'm you know I have to send them copies of my book and they're still charging me because there's a lot of other things that go into these awards and if you do win, um, especially some of the big name awards, if you win some of those, I mean your life will change as an author. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's worth mentioning. And I think a lot of writers, you know, don't look at that. They're they're, you know, penny pinching for a reason. And I get that. Yeah. The one thing that I tell a lot of authors is number one, these are all tax deductible expenses, right? I mean, this goes towards your exactly. business of writing, and that's something that most authors just don't look at. Right. You know, they'll they'll buy their Starbucks coffee and they're, they'll binge their Netflix and pay for all that, all those expenses, but that, you know, they won't pay for Hootsuite or, right. you know, I use, I use promo Republic and buffer now because they're a lot less expensive because Hootsuite got very, very pricey. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, that's a totally other subject. Um, but you know, if, if you're not willing to put, invest in yourself 
to pay for great editing and a great cover and then submit to something like what you said. Um, and they do that kind of promotion for you and you can potentially win prize money. And then you get the little sticker to put on your book and it is award winning and it is a valid award. Right. Or get a great review from Kirkus or Midwest or, you know, one of those places. Those add value mm -hmm. to your book. And so it can make a difference. Absolutely. Um, okay. So before we wrap up, do you have any other tips that um, we might not have covered on how people can really, um, especially with the first book, if you don't have any marketing experience for a book, if you don't know where to start and you're a little bit nervous about putting your book out there, where's the best place to start? Um, well, I definitely feel like you, you need to, market and write. It's not a choice. So, you know, start finding your tribe early on. It's, you can go to my site, badredheadmedia.com and start reading my blog, totally free. Um, I think you have to consider writing as a business as opposed to just wanting to write if you plan on making any kind of money at it. And, um, you know, Roxanne Gay said, keep your day job. She still has her day job. She's made millions in book sales. Um, I have my day job. You have your day job. That's what's going to make you the money. Um, I have six books out. I'm going to have two more out in the next year. It, it's not impossible, but it's, you know, uh, one of my clients has 22 books out and just recently was able to quit her job and start living off the royalties. So have realistic expectations about what it takes. It is, it is a job to be a writer. It's not a dream. So work it, make it happen, but do the freaking work. Amen, sister. I do. I do see that a lot. Actually, people who they've written a good book, no doubt about it. Oh yeah, your book can be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Just can't put it out there and then do nothing because guess what? No sales. <laughs> yeah. No sales. Yes. Yeah. Well, th thank you very much for coming back. Thank you so much for having me. I love being here with you. It's 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 wonderful. Happy to help. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great, huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.